This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we've got a dead fashion designer and a man who can change his appearance in an instant. On this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of the Taylor's dummy? I mean, there's a lot. There's a few. Uh, a journalist is attacked by a man who changes appearance within seconds, and a famous fashion designer dies in odd circumstances. I've tried my best there. <laughs> Because the latter isn't really an impossible crime. No. Something quite impossible happens to create something very normal looking. Yeah, yeah. But the main thing that takes up a lot of the episode is the fact that this um, journalist seems like a bit of a hack. Yeah. She is in a hotel room and uh, the guy dressed like Jason puts a gun to her head to threaten her. And then he sneezes some flowers, and he looks like a different man. Yeah. He, he looks like he looks like um, Claude. Yes, gets in the shower, and when he comes out, he's, he's a black man. dude. Yeah, black dude who uh, cannot act and does like the worst elbowing I've ever seen on telly. It's so bad. He's like, oh, see you later. <laughs> it's so crap. You, you say like a lot of the episode. I would uh, I would argue possibly too much. Uh, the episode is um is concerned with this thing so we should deal with motivations in a different section yeah in this bit so they get involved in this mm. because brendan and carla are having lunch with the journalist yes do a profile on them yeah and they get sucked in that way yeah what the hell has happened to Eyes and Ears as a concept? Yeah, it feels like it's gone. Because Brendan's talking about it. Yeah. And giving it the bigger, calling it a dramamentary. Mm. Like he's created this new format. Yeah. But in the last episode, it wasn't used as the conceit to get Jonathan in front of stuff. No. And also, there's, there's a really weird line that's kind of like half cut off that Jonathan says. I think I know which one you're going to say. Yeah, where he says like, because he's basically... They're trying to get him to do like promo for it, yeah. Um, and he says it's like kind of half cut off, but he was like, he calls it a true crime peep show. I only made one appearance, he says. Are you just like, yes. what? It feels like they're hooking everything on Jonathan Creek for this show. Yeah, and also I think in the previous episodes they talk about the section on impossible crimes. Yeah, like, there's been more than one filmed. Mm. Well, th- I think that was a thing in the last episode. We were like. Are they talking about that one where they gotcha the police detective? Is that his only appearance that he's made on it? And suddenly now they're basing lots of promotional or promotion just around that one particular thing? I, I genuinely am baffled why you spent so much time setting up this great premise mm. for them just to have new cases and save on all this legwork. <laughs> you never when you it. just don't use it at all. <laughs> You never use it, and the only way that they get involved is by weird circumstances. In the next episode, they don't even do that. She just comes around. Um, and in this, in this, they have to set up this like weird... I guess it's like how you meet then. You meet Donna, you meet the Bergmans through all this. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a bit wild um, of an episode. I, I don't know if I can say that I like it, but... 
because I, I I said in the last episode I've just been watching these because I don't remember them as well. I've been watching them just of an evening, sitting down and watching them. I was enthralled, just but it was a more what the fuck is going on <laughs> enthralled rather than yeah. like <sighs> oh this has really got me. <laughs> I, I'm still sticking with my theory about this season where it's a lot of ideas from notebooks yeah. that have been thrown together. And they're not enough to sustain an old style Jonathan Creek episode. Yeah. And they're just these little bits of puzzles or tricks or premises mm. that you can't really sketch out deep, deep and meaningful motivations for them. No. And you sometimes have to chuck a couple of them together in an episode to, to get the hour. But what's really frustrating for quite with quite a lot of them is some of the methods are really cool for like some elements, but the way that the methods are used and what the methods are used for are just like, why? Why would you do that? So you're kind of like wasting <laughs> good methods on bad effects. So the method in this, Louise and Cloud Bergman use an adjacent hotel room, uh, bathroom to Jill Baker's to create a mirror version of events. So when Jill sees Claude lift up his mask in the mirror, she's actually seeing through a pane of glass because obviously most hotels the exact exact mirror of the room is right beside the, the mm. other rooms and so marco berman is actually killed by his daughter louise who takes advantage of the fact that he's deathly afraid of fire and that he's blind secretly blind to make him believe his bedroom is on fire using a recording which urges him to jump to safety when he is in fact jumping to his death those are really hard to write. They're really hard to read, mate. <laughs> uh, sh- what should we deal with here first? Because it's quite a lot. <laughs> well, let's 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 do the the bathroom thing. Yeah. Um. But also, uh, my question is: This is what I I didn't get out. Uh, maybe I did get it while I was watching it, but I've forgotten now. Claude Bergman, who does all that stuff to Donna in the bathroom. He doesn't know that Louise is actually behind the murder. So is he? Is he, is he? Yeah. Is he just hatched that plan to get revenge yeah. because he generally thinks that Donna is behind the death of his dad because his dad saw a yeah. bad review and jumped to his death. I think what we're gonna have to do because usually we talk about motivations <laughs> and consequences in the reveal. Yeah. I think we're gonna have to bring these into the method. Yeah. It's, I think it's a real mess. <laughs> I think the first question is, why do they do this? Yeah. Well, that's why. I think I, that's the biggest one with the bathroom mirror. What is the point? Really? Is it... uh, So they kind of touch on it a little bit early on, but then they forget about it. I think the idea is... I think it's really elaborate, but Claude wants Donna to appear like she's lost her mind and that she can't be trusted and therefore can't do any reviews anymore. Because he kind of... That's how he kind of phrases it. Or like... Or she phrases it. Sorry, he's like, he wants me... He wants people to think that I don't know the difference between blah, 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 blah. So people won't trust her reviews. That's quite elaborate. God, it's so crazy. Yeah. I think with this, I've got the same problem with this one as I have with Angel Hair mm. and Satan's Chimney. To achieve the effect, you've got to enlist and recruit so many people yeah. that are willing to do mad and bad shit. Yes. I don't know why. Who do you find these people? And then they just go, oh, it's wrong. But in this, yeah. oh, the hotel manager's on it. He's in on it as well. But the Everyone's thing, in on it. Yeah. But also, it really relies on the fake dude in the shower getting away because... And that's obviously the hotel manager's in on it, so he kind of helps with that a little bit. If that guy doesn't get away, 
What happens? I don't know. Who's pull, pulling the mirror back? So that's someone else. Yeah. A lot of people involved to achieve it. It's that hotel. Um, that, that's the thing. Is like, because you'd never get any... You don't get people's motivations. It, it doesn't feel like it makes any sense. You're just like, as you say, why Why is the hotel manager going along with this? Why Why is he getting involved? Yeah, it's, it's not very... I know that they are asserting that her review... Mm pushed their father towards death. Yeah. Which one of them knows isn't true. Yeah. Louise knows that's not the case, but she goes along with it anyway. Mm. They're really wealthy. Just sewer. Yeah. Just, it's a really mad thing to do. So the, the motivation isn't quite there, but we should go back to the deduction, I guess, of how Jonathan gets there. It's the classic routine where Harpo's dressed as Groucho, matching all his moves behind the shattered mirror. Except Louise, or whoever it is under that other mud pack, only has to keep it up for a few seconds. A moment later, the mirror's back in place, and there's not a shred of doubt in Donna's mind who's stepping into that shower and pulling the curtain. And the two are interconnected. So yeah. Jonathan investigates. The hotel room seems quite a normal one. Mm. But the main clue, it's not even a clue. It almost feels like it should function more like an epiphany. Yeah. Is the um, Marco is a huge Marx Brothers fan. Yeah. And therefore, probably these children were made to watch a lot of them. Hmm. And there's a famous scene in Duck Soup where um, Harpo plays Groucho in a mirror scene. Yeah. Yeah, because Jonathan's epiphany, or the thing that maybe makes him realize how it's done, is the fact that Carla mentions that she was wearing a face pack. Yeah. Which means that momentarily, Donna wouldn't realize that maybe it was Louise in the mirror because it's kind of masked. Because he goes, oh, two people were in masks then. So a lot of the trick also depends on her wearing a face mask before bed. She doesn't put that on, they're screwed. But also, I still feel like if I looked in the mirror, I know she's only looking, she's only glancing briefly. I feel like I'd be able to tell if I was me or not. <laughs> like, you'd have to go to some lengths. Because that's essentially saying that if everybody, if any woman puts a face pack on, she looks exactly like another woman wearing a face pack. That's not true. And I, this, this is a man, come from a man who does a lot of face packs. Like, I put a lot of face packs on all the time with uh, my partner, but at no point does she just... just... You wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, it just goes to there. But it's like, at no point am I looking at Clara being like, oh, yeah, she looks like she could look like any woman right now. Um, with that, it's like, yeah. you still look like yourself. Yeah. But also, the whole thing, if she chooses not to do the face pack that night, yeah. the trick's off. Off. But that's the thing, like, the, the motivation isn't strong enough for it, because I think the motivation is to make her appear like she's out of it and she doesn't know. Just discredit her. Fucking mad. Madness. Also, how has he come up with that one night? Yeah. <laughs> what This is what we should be doing, right? Because she's given the hotel a bad review as well. Is that oh, why really? the hotel manager wants in on it? Right, I think okay. maybe that's something to say. How have you just organised Going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do this. Why not? It's just like known for giving bad reviews to hotels and Who's looking after fashion designers. <laughs> Should review. I also do a profile piece on Brendan. Yeah, I, Jack of all trades. She'll write anything, mate. Donna. Um. Um. Yeah. And then this is a weird thing. The death of Marco has a couple of weird features to it. Yeah. But, namely, that he's thrown his parrot out of the window. Yeah. His pet parrot. Yeah. So of implying maybe it wasn't a suicide. Mm. So even though it looks kind of normal that he just like jumped to his death and mm. 
maybe we're suffering from dementia or something. There is actually something quite fantastical that led to his death that Jonathan kind of stumbles on being close to this family and examining this other mystery. Yeah. This is, yeah, and this has almost more clues to it. But also, what the thing that I don't understand, going back to like weird motivations and stuff, what, how does Louise let them snoop around the house? Because they become involved. I, I think I've missed where the Louise is. wander around. Yeah, because yeah. uh, if he goes into someone's, if you go into Marco's room and see all these socks paired and stuff like that, he's like, this is obviously the room of a blind man. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's the pair of socks. Yeah. It scratches along his keyholes. Like, mm. he can't get the key in first time. And then they look at footage of him from a book signing, and he can't really make eye contact properly with people. Yeah. And then ju- this is a better epiphany, but mm. it is kind of maybe a bit labored, is there's several phrases throughout the episode that make Jonathan think of FDR. Yes. Who, for many years, the American public didn't know was... Um, wheelchair bound yeah throughout the episode someone says new deal they say pearl harbor and they also say great depression so that's kind of the epiphany for the marco stuff that's really odd though because we know that the show has been written by someone so none of that stuff is a is an accident you know what i mean he's put those in purposely to kind of not good get jonathan there um, I think that's one of the things because obviously if you're a writer you're constructing anything especially a detective work of detective fiction yeah. you have to pace your clues it's all it's all artificial in a sense but that is just too contrived yeah um, but the weird thing about the Marco crime is normally with Jonathan Creek he's presented mm. with something that looks seemingly impossible and he uses his ingenieur's brain to figure yeah. out the simple elegant solution yeah this is almost the exact opposite of a Jonathan Cree mystery it's using incredible techniques to create something normal looking yeah it's like that um trick that Penn and Teller do where Teller shows you all the sleight of hand yeah but the effect is actually looks like him just lighting up a cigarette yeah so you're using magical techniques to create something normal looking yeah, rather yeah. than something impossible looking. So it's almost an inverted Jonathan Creek. I actually quite like that in a way, but I, I think and we're kind of getting to gizmo territory with uh, how elaborate that it is. Um, and, and also it's, it's really strange to bring back like a recording and also bring back like someone who's like half asleep or asleep being mm. affected by a recording because we know we've had that before. Because yeah, um, a little niggling thing is, I think they say something, I think they say something like, oh, he's half awake. Mm. The sound would have been enough. Yeah. It's almost to skip over any scrutiny of going, would the sound be enough? Yeah. Would you not have to smell it and feel the warmth? Because that's the, you surely, I I don't obviously I don't know what it's like to be blind, but I feel like this. I know sound is obviously heightened because it's one of your only senses, but you would know if something was on fire or not. I don't know. Yeah, I think you would just have like, to, like you'd smoke have to, and yeah, you'd have to feel the warmth of it. Um, I think also you would identify that all that sounds coming from one source. Yes. But they kind of gloss over that going, oh, half awake. Yeah. I'd want to know before jumping out a window. Yeah. And also as well, this is another uh, mystery, which is 
not yeah thwarted or kind of moved along in a similar way just because the the perp has just clumsily left a tape lying around and you're just like get rid of that tape why are you just chucking it in the bin also um, when they show how that's happened it yeah. looks ridiculous it really does yeah <laughs> just drops it down the hole in the side it's just it's mad and i just think like we've had that so many times now and i know like that is how killers are caught out because they are careless and we've talked about this a lot of time where sometimes i don't mind it because particularly with uh something like the reconstituted corpse because those are two idiots trying to do a murder and trying to cover up a murder but you can't just keep using that all the time where you're just like these are people who aren't murderers doing a murder, then fucking up the murder. He's like, yeah. yeah, I do understand that. But also at the same time, you can't have a big plot construct be they didn't get rid of the tape properly. <laughs> also, I think you excuse a lot when people have stronger motivations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the yeah. motivation against Donna is weak here. Mm. But then let's get on to talking about Louise's motivation to kill her dad. Yeah. You're not given any of that early on as an audience. So in the final reveal and confrontation where the unmasker is the killer, mm. it's all hastily grafted on this fact that her dad was horrible. She hated him. Yeah. It just all comes out of nowhere. Whereas in a good detective thing, you want that to be accessible. You'd know that. Yeah. 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 That's a really odd, because I, I've wrote that down. It's like when she's given her big, like evil villain chat at the end and they're all looking and go, why are you all looking at me? That whole sequence, I was like, what is happening? Mad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at you because um, you probably could have seeded some of this earlier in the episode. I'm looking at you because all of us are like, none of us knew any of this, and we fucking should have. Um, and also, she says, that, did he ever value our contribution? He was arrogant. Hmm. Murder him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's all really strange. That's the thing. I've written at the top of this as like, Sometimes this is just murder she wrote now. Sometimes yeah. this is just a someone wants someone dead so they have to come up with an alibi. And mm. when it becomes that, I think that is when it's not as strong as it can be. Um yeah. because I like I'm to I sound there like I'm doing murder she wrote at the service. Murder she wrote is fantastic at coming up with bonkers uh, alibis but that's the whole idea for the show but at least in murder she wrote you have the motivation and the motivation is clear from the start because it gives about four different people motivation to kill them that's yeah. the whole point of those episodes and then you have it like leads you down different paths whereas this we're not getting any motivation for anything that happens it's happening a few times recently where the motivations <laughs> And lots of new details, sometimes quite biggies. Yeah. For instance, in Satan's Chimney about this illegitimate son working on the movie set. Yeah. All this comes in right at the end. You're going, you have, <laughs> it's almost whiplash inducing the amount of crazy information that gets dropped. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not like they don't have time to do it either, because particularly with Satan's Chimney and with episodes like this, like all the revealing stuff happens with about 15 minutes to go. And you're just like, take that amount of time that you've got, put it on the beginning have a couple of scenes that <laughs> maybe set up the motivation so then you don't have to have all of your motivation but given at the end would we have lost kenny's version of the transported man though yeah that's true actually um I i'm not sure i'm okay with losing that i forgot about that entire storyline to be fair um, um well, maybe that'll come up in the elements <laughs> why are you all looking at me as if i'm mad 
Okay, so we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal, but there are other elements which make up every episode of Jonathan Creek. First off, the Victor Mel drew award for the most unbelievable scene. <laughs> I mean, most unbelievable storyline, maybe, um, is the mafia using magicians uh, as uh, slave rings and going, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a really good way that we could do a, a slavery ring. I think, for me, that might run away with a different category. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, for me, the big one is um, the sign malfunctioning and Jonathan ogling a woman's pair of breasts. Oh my god, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I'd say you have an unnatural preoccupation, actually, with female breasts. Based on what? You see, this is exactly the kind of thing. Because immediately before that, she's saying, why are you obsessed with boobs? Mm. And then the sign malfunctions. And it's Jonathan peering through a magnifying glass at yeah. a lingerie model because it's half of one sign, half of another. Yeah. Also, why is he posed for that picture when he was dead against it? He was absolutely against it. And then he, he just said it did induced it. colitis, which I looked up, which is, is a long-term condition where the colon and rectum become inflamed. If that, it sounds like as well, he's not doing that for a fair. He says, oh, no, here he comes. And you feel I like, I can't I can't tell if that's real or not. And again, why is he supposed for this promo still mm. for a show he's been in one episode of? That seems like it's not even in active production anymore because well, they're making a new comedy show. So the only thing I was thinking is maybe the show, because, you know, Pilot. there is well, there's one line which is said in a few episodes ago where he says, obviously, we can't put the show out until he's gone to trial. So maybe they've made an entire series that is going out. But it, it felt it like he's only been one. It says he's only been in one, which we're assuming is that one episode um, with uh, Davy Crockett hat. So I, is that? just they think that's good but i felt like when we were watching that the episodes had already been going out it seemed like it was up and running yeah because it i thought when we first saw brendan in the control room that yeah. seemed like a live tv production i thought so yeah like crime watch is live and you can call in yeah i thought she was doing her bit to camera live yeah yeah it definitely felt like it was already going yeah because it says like yeah, it seems like it was new, but it mm. was already going to broadcast. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe the fact that they filmed an entire series or something and they know they're sitting on this gold mine of Jonathan Cree. But if they have filmed it all, he's still only in one episode, in that one particular episode. So you can't really... Yeah. You can't really push the entire scene on him, um, uh, the entire promo on him. But also, the thing that I just keep writing down, I've written this in loads of episodes now that I haven't um, brought up, if they like Jonathan Creek so much, why is there so many uh, storylines in every episode where they're trying to change everything about him? <laughs> I know. Because in this one, they get him the really fancy duffel coat from Harrods. I love that coat. Oh, not as good as the original, though. I would I would love to have a Jonathan Creek action figure and you can get the Harrods coat as a variant. Oh, that'd be ace, wouldn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel like there's only two people in the world that would buy that and... I'm one of them, and I'm looking at the other one person. So. Imagine that um, little windmill playset. <laughs> they did like a Lego thing of it. Let's get uh, that going in Lego, Lego ideas. ideas. 
<laughs> oh yeah, see here, here's the little um here's the little sarcophagus that Carla minifigure hides in. And you're like, oh Put shit. <laughs> yeah, it feels like they're trying to take it feels like they're just trying to change everything about him all the time. Maybe that's a TV commentary on the nature yeah. of TV that even when people like stuff, they meddle. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe that's something he even experienced with Creep, maybe. I feel like he's getting, he gets a lot of maybe his frustrations about production into the episode sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Things that dated the most, I've got using Harrods as a like shortcut for rich and fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt like when we were growing up, Harrods was like the big thing. Like my grandmother, she was like, we grew up in like South Wales valleys. We weren't a rich family at all, but she went to Harrods once and then got a load of their shopping bags. Like, oh, like and then the, she used like to, dark green ones. Yeah, the dark green ones with the gold Harrods writing on. And she would use those uh, plastic bags as her shopping bags. <laughs> She'd be walking back from quick save in Tradiga um, <laughs> with full stuff. I like, love it. No frills uh, food in Harrods shopping bags. Um, it's good. That's aspirational. And I, th- I think like him saying there's like, because that... Because it actually doesn't really mean anything when he's like, "Oh, you've got me a duffel coat from Harrods." You're like, "Yeah, but what make is it? Like, they don't. I don't think they make coats, do they? They they stock really expensive designers. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's quite dated now. You don't you because also I feel like going into Harrods was like a bigger thing, whereas now I don't know. Or maybe that's just my thoughts of it when I was a kid growing up. But maybe it still is a thing if you're visiting London. Maybe. I think so. I think that's more of a thing. It's more of a tourist attraction than it is a shop in my head. Yeah, I yeah, maybe that's right actually. I've never actually actually been in sell much shit. I bet but I bet they don't. (laughs) Just lots of plastic bags. I bet they sell more (laughs) bit of lunch stuff with Harrods on there. Like Harrods trinkets and souvenirs and they do actual stuff. Or they sell like a few really high cost items and that keeps them going. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. I'm going to go in Harrods, actually, when we're allowed to go out again. They used to have puppies in there. Really? I think, I think they might used to have a pet shop in it. Ah. But that probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, what have you got for things that's dated the most? Brian Connolly. There's Brian Connolly in there. There's a poster. He's the host of the Brendan's new show, It'll Be Shy on the Night. Oh. When was the last time you ever saw Brian Connolly on TV? When he was doing that, it's a puppet thing. Here's a picture of Larry's new girlfriend, Betty the Bullfrog. <laughs> That's right, I reckon he scored last night. I reckon you scored, Larry. <laughs> it's a puppet. He is someone that's completely been forgotten about, I think. In, if you said the history of British comedy. Is he dead? He's not dead, is he? Let me have that. No way. No, he's not dead. He's 58. He's, that's no age. That's no age. So when he was on TV, so he was, he must have been in his late 30s when we were watching. That's, he's not that much older than us when he was doing that stuff. For people who don't know, he basically used to do this one character called Nick Frisbee, which is kind of like a children's entertainer that had a puppet with him called Larry the Loafer and he used to beat shit out of it. And then when people would go like, oh, he'd be like, it's a puppet. Um, Yeah, so... His as oh, this is in his Wikipedia section as a title oh, no. star. His last thing as a name star was two thousand and two. But the Brian Connolly show originally ran from ninety two to ninety five. That's that's um, dated the most, I think. <laughs> yeah, look at this on <laughs> notable guests on his uh, 
on his show right which was like a variety show so you think like that probably does rely on getting quite a lot of guests on there notable guests it's christopher hart who played thing from the adams family movies <laughs> wow i'm reading personal life apparently Connolly had a comedy wedding what he proposed to his fiance wearing a suit of armor this just sounds very British, what I'm about to read. The wedding day also had comic elements, causing celebrity guest Linda Lusardi to remark that it was the funniest wedding I've ever been to. I <laughs> Linda Lusardi. The couple left the church in the car from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely dated the most, Paul, Paul Brian Connolly. Um, I think using the phrase like, I'm going to sue you for everything you've got. That's good. Um I remember like there was a kid that I went to school with and he used to say that because he's quite a posh kid in our school. So like if anything ever happened, he'd be like, I'm going to get my dad to sue you for everything you've got. It's like, yeah. That must have been maybe in American shows we started watching a lot as a thing yeah. that you could do. Yeah, I know. I think that's good for dated the most. I like that. Well, for most British things, to be fair, I put it'll all, it'll all be shite on the night. <laughs> it was, it's a good format, I think. I've put kind of smuggling this under British thing is yeah. the actress that plays Carrie Bergman, Victoria Chalet, was yeah. one of my crushes when I was a kid because she's Harmony Parker in The Queen's Nose. Ah, very good. Because I think The Queen's Nose is quite British, obviously. Queen's Nose, yeah. It's a kid's show on CBBC where I think she was given a 50 pence piece by her uncle and yeah. she rubbed the nose, she'd get some wishes. Yeah, that's the thing. I ran for like three seasons. Used to grant wishes. Yeah, that's pre- yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. That the thing that they do with her is pretty wild. Kind of like teasing that she's a heroin addict and then bringing out at the end that she's uh, it's actually diabetic and it's insulin. Also, that her uh, is that her, is Maureen Lipman's character her auntie or her mum? I think sister or something. I think isn't it like an old. No, yeah, when auntie. She, I don't know. When she threat, like, she's up for killing her at the end. Yeah. Like, there's one thing to, like, maybe hate the guy who's abused you all your life to just killing her. I feel like once you've killed one person, you've either got a taste for it Moorish. or you just realise how easy it is. Yeah. Like Jaffa Cakes. Yeah, <laughs> can't just have one. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, is that all right? I think we kind of touched on it, but, like, I guess magicians using the, uh, the white slave trade I mean, I mean using human trafficking as a comedy subplot yeah <laughs> on primetime tv having the baddies as eastern european like gangsters as well is pretty yeah. bad that whole thing is insane treating human trafficking with such a lightness of tone yeah and also, what's not also all right is when jonathan stumbles in on what's going on yeah he says to kenny I'm going to give you 24 hours before going to the police. Go to the police right now. <laughs> Jonathan, you've just seen, you just know several of your like <clears throat> colleagues have been abducted. Yeah. Go to the police right away, Jonathan. Also, why would Kenny not want to go to the police straight away as well? And be like, Kenny's a fucking moron, fair enough. But I feel like Kenny would be like, yeah, shit, let's go to the police. Because what's Kenny going to do? If you're Jonathan, you know Kenny ain't sorting that situation out himself. No. Is he that much of an idiot that he doesn't, no i really don't know i really really don't know should we talk about because we talk about kenny and i do want to get in mm. i do like his version of the transported man i really like it he doesn't do it justice at the end no and i also like the kid that hates it yeah because that kid is basically the kid 
it's a modern version of the kid from the prestige that knows about his brother yeah, is yeah. cross with the ter- uh, big turkey kid from Jurassic Park. Absolutely. He looks like the big turkey kid. He goes, I've put this kid is channeling the energy of Jurassic Park kid. It's yeah. a different man. It's the crappiest trick I've ever seen. Yeah. I think like that goes to show the importance of because if that was a real magician doing that real trick as we've seen it done very well in the prestige you'd open you'd have to open up that other cabinet to be like look it's fucking empty but it's about to be full of me um like you have to that that shows the importance of that i think i also do want to see the trick the human egg slicer yeah (laughs) i want to know how it went wrong i love his props absolutely yeah and also what i did write down was if regard if you disregard the fact that he doesn't get people to check that second machine, if that was on stage, he'd have got away with that. Yes. Like it's only the fact that you're like two feet away from it. Too close for it to work. Like there's no way they can possibly work. If that was on stage, that would have absolutely worked. Because that is how fucking Hugh Jackman does it in the prestige where he gets a double route to do it. And that and that other man had total control over Kenny Starkus. Complete power <laughs> you don't think i could be kenny starkis <laughs> well I, I think also in uh not all right the way that jonathan talks about carla's boobs like that could be in grot cabinet but i also mm. feel like the way that he talks about her boobs is pretty not on like yeah and also really out of character for him kind of yeah he's um, never really shown those kind of things although before. the more and more that stuff goes on in all these episodes the more i think oh that's really out of character for my idea of who jonathan creek is rather than who jonathan creek is yeah my idea for him is this sort of tortured ingenue who you know wants better for himself but is actually the real version of jonathan creek is a bit of a dickhead sometimes i think in these couple of, yeah the fact that he's floating this TV show, I think he's got more ego than we ever thought he used to. And I don't know if that's because the journey's gone on with Maddie or yeah. whether it's just a bit inconsistent with the characterization. Yeah, it could be the journey, but it could also be that, you know, because I've seen it happen to people who, who, like, we've, you know, we've worked in video games, like, all our lives. And lots of people who work in video games are the unpopular kids at school and then suddenly get thrust into a situation where they've got you know a following on twitter or on youtube or something like that and i've seen it happen where those people have turned from being quite nice people into being like a bit egomaniacal and just not nice people i've seen that happen balance there you go yeah um i've seen that happen and i feel like maybe that's happening a little bit with jonathan he's been treated like shit in his career all his career and now that he's got a little bit of power Rather than be like, right, I'm going to use this to make sure nobody gets treated like shit. He's actually doing the opposite, which is quite unfortunate. Um, but you see it happening. You see it happening all the time. Um, but yeah, that's what I've got for. That's, is that all right? What have you got? That's it, really. Mm. Just I think the trafficking, but also Jonathan just not wanting to go to the police. Yes. When, he's, <laughs> when you think about recent years, he's spent so much of his life wronging crimes, like yeah. working in the criminal sphere. Yeah. And putting things right. So you would think Jonathan has quite a strong moral compass, but obviously doesn't. (laughs) Also, you'd think that he has access to police people's phone numbers that he could just call up. (laughs) 
Is that Ken Speed? <laughs> yeah. Remember when I solved all those crimes for you? I've got a crime now that you've got to solve. DCI um, Masterson. <laughs> How's it doing? Gideon, uh, how are you, mate? Gideon. <laughs> yes, get Gideon on it. He'd sort that out in no time. Uh, all right, let's open up the grot cabinet then. It's quite a lot in this, uh, but one that maybe will get uh, glossed over is the dog's gigantic dick. <laughs> What? So, I didn't see this. You know, um, so they bring in like a bloodhound. Because yeah. like when he's talking about like, oh, I know the props that they'll have. They'll want me to hold a magnifying glass and, you know, have a, <laughs> de- a deer skin cap on and stuff like that. And then they look down and it's basically a dog dressed up as Sherlock Holmes. But the dog has a massive dick. <laughs> and it looks like he's got massive boner as well. Um, so that's, that's a, my first installment. Wow. Um, I didn't spot that. There's quite a lot of chat all the way through it as well about boobs and like they put Carla purposely in clothes which push her boobs up because yep. then he talks about her quite a lot and there's a lot of like lingering shots. It's quite it's quite grotty, man. The way that they sort of treat Carla in this, it's not on. I don't really have th- the only thing I actually thought was the sex scene's quite it's full on, man. You're full on for seven p.m. on a Saturday night, isn't it? And I think it's more full on. So the sex scene between Donna and Claude. So they have, uh, 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 they sit down and they yeah. have like, um, they hate each other and they have a meal. Then it cuts. I think that's what is more shocking about it is it cuts from a quiet restaurant to them, to her just screaming um, in ecstasy and saying, not sure that was in the script. Um, this is also after the crime that they've committed on her. If yeah. it is a crime, I guess, but after they've deceived her. This really but also, do you know what else is really weird about that scene? No. So I rewound it a couple of times to check. Yeah, you did, you grotty bastard. She, yeah. Um, her head's banging up against the radiator. Ooh. It, you think, when you first watch it, it looks like the a bed head. Yeah. It's not, it's a radiator. So they've just gone wild in that thing. It's just like on the floor. Because then when it immediately cuts after that scene, she's led in bed. Yeah, yeah. It really reminds me of uh, the scene in League of Gentlemen Series 3. Where where Ross and Pauline have sex. And it's just like, because it's a similar cut as well, where it cuts from them just having a glass of wine to then having this (laughs) disgusting sex. And I feel like it's a similar thing in this as well. It's like you kind of don't, yeah, it's not very nice. Oh, I'm going to have to tell Mickey. Oh, that's such a good series. That is absolutely nuts. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's a really full-on sex scene. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I've got for Grot Cabinet. I'll be happy to close that and forget about that sex yeah. scene, to be honest. So got Jonathan's romance update then. Um, the Carla thing's still going on. She, like, I've worked out why she annoys me so much. And it's because... It's the same if you've ever watched Mark Wahlberg in a comedy. Mark Wahlberg, who does get cast in a lot of comedy, if you watch any, I'm about to ruin Mark Wahlberg comedies for you. Not that I'm sure lots of people are watching them all the time. People do watch them, but I'm sure people understand what they are. But if you watch him in any comedy scene with a really funny comedy actor, he's always shouting. He's always dialed up to fucking 11 and he's always like high pitch and going crazy. And like, that is how Mark Wahlberg does comedy. And I feel like 
this is how Carla does and any almost any conversation with Jonathan Creek, she's like and yeah, it, it must be exhausting for her to play. Absolutely, it's exhausting to watch. So I can kind of see that. Yeah, there's a really weird scene as well between Carla and um, Jonathan where her husband makes them kiss and make up and it's basically like forcing them together to get off with each other. Yeah, it's like a really strange thing. And like she has to apologize for sticking his her tongue down his throat and stuff as well. I don't, I just put the, what the fuck with that scene. Yeah. Because Brendan has this thing where he seems so confident and self-assured. He's not mm. threatened by Jonathan. Yeah. Whether he's not fully understood the extent of their relationship because he kind of ignored her when she's mentioned it in the past. Yeah. It's a very weird thing for him just to watch her really yeah. full on kiss him. So it's something Carla wants to do. I kind of don't get it. Um, maybe well, it's more sophisticated than I'm able to comprehend. Yeah. Um, there's also the other scene where it's kind of touching, kind of nice, where Jonathan kind of shields her from the shower under his duffel coat. Yeah, that is quite nice. It's like a little moment they have, basically yeah. like a, in Casino Royale when Bond's holding Vespa. That's what it <laughs> exactly is. exactly like that. <laughs> um, the thing that I've written as well is, so at the start of this episode, we get um, Brendan showing Donna like a clip of a Japanese TV show mm -hmm. that they're planning on doing a version of mm -hmm. uh, in the UK. Uh, so, and Carla's in on this. She's going to be hosting it. She knows all yes. about the show. Guilty secrets. Yeah. Why? It, she she seems so shocked by the whole idea of the lie detector contraption um, at the end, uh, which is really, really strange. And I was like, why does she seem so shocked by this when she knows what it is but then brendan points out there's this whole storyline that it's all fake and it's all yeah 60 percent at the time he says yeah so i was like oh maybe she's so shocked because it's actually given a correct re i don't know what's going on but she sees entirely shocked by the entire contraption like yeah one even though brendan tells jonathan that does is she on does she know that or not yeah to preserve her authentic reactions That's so she point. might not know if that is the case and it is rigged 60% of the time, is it working properly in the scene when Carla's plugged into it? Yeah. Fuck knows. Her reaction wild. definitely think says there obviously is something she has for Jonathan and she's yeah. angry that he's found out still. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, I I got, came to a sad realisation in the middle of this episode that was like, this is their version of Maddie and Jonathan's will they, won't they now? And it's shit. Mm. Will she cheat on Brendan or not? Will she cheat on Brendan for him? And this is how, this is their relationship. We're watching Jonathan and Carla's relationship and how this is going to work and how this is going to play out. That's not, it's not fun. No, because for, if you said this previously, for it to be consummated, Jonathan has to become a dickhead. Yeah. So you almost don't want them to get together. One, because... I don't think they seem good together. I'm not having a go at her. How many episodes have we got left with Carla? Um, three, three more, I think. Three more episodes with her. Okay, I, right. um, mate, I'm. I can't wait to see Sheridan Smith. I don't mind Sheridan Smith. To be honest, I can't. Cause it's a long while since I've watched those episodes. I can't really remember if they even have any tension. I can't remember uh, really what the yeah, details they, are. Yeah, you know, they, they do a little bit, but I think it's more, it's a little bit grottier because she's quite a lot younger than him. Um, but yeah, in, in The Grinning Man, for sure, they, there's, there's something It's the BBC feedback. 
David, if you want another, if you want these specials, we're gonna to have to up the grot. We see you've been dropping it in recent episodes. We're gonna get Sheridan Smith up in. She's up for some grot. Can you write it, David? He's like, I've already written it. Yeah. <laughs> On the next episode, we're heading to the beach in the Sea of the Sands. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG. I think that's quite good there. Yeah. It's a fucking wild episode this. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>